A quick update before we get started on episode five featuring designer Jenny Bergman. Since we spoke, Jenny's proposal to present at this month's internationally renowned South by Southwest Music Festival and Conference was accepted. Along with Gail Morowitz of The Visual Strategist, Jenny will be leading a presentation entitled 12 by 12 and Beyond, Great Packaging Makes Music Better. And that'll happen at the festival on March 20th at 5 p.m. She and Gail write, quote, Well-executed visuals do much of the heavy lifting to communicate the music artist's creative vision. They also say, New ideas like animated track art, standalone apps, and long-form videos hold the potential to expand visual design beyond the album cover and redefine what packaging means, end quote. You can visit southbysouthwest.com, that's sxsw.com, and check out their schedule of presentations if you happen to be in Austin for all the fun later this month. As a reminder, illustrator Molly Steinmetz did a custom portrait of Jenny for this episode, which you can see as a thumbnail in whatever app you're using to listen, or you can head over to unstoppablerock.com to see the image in a larger size and also find links to Molly's Instagram and Etsy store. Final bit of business before jumping into the episode. This month, March of 2020, you can catch When Particles Collide live in Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, Somerset, Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio, Kent, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Syracuse, New York, and finally in Stockholm, Maine. Check WhenParticlesCollide.com for all of our tour dates. Now, on to this month's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Unstoppable Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Alcott. This is a podcast for anyone who makes, supports, loves, or is curious about the world of independent music and DIY touring. Myself, along with my partner, Chris Feiner, tour, write, record, and distribute our music under the name When Particles Collide. Because we tour 40 plus weeks out of the year, we meet a lot of folks along the way. This is a podcast where I sit down and talk with some of our friends and colleagues about DIY music, their hometown, and feature new music that you've likely never heard before. Today, we're going to hear my conversation with Jenny Bergman. Jenny is the genius behind the Secret Bureau of Art and Design, a company that offers design, photography, and video services to the music community specifically. Jenny and her work was nominated for two Boston Music Awards in 2018, and her Mark Sandman tribute poster, Buena, made the shortlist for Communication Arts 2020 Typography Competition. One of the things that sets Jenny's work apart from other design work is her commitment to digging deep into the music she's going to help elevate with imagery. The Secret Bureau of Art and Design website states, quote, We meet with you, talk in-depth about your goals as an artist, and immerse ourselves in your sound so we can deliver creative assets that best represent your music and win you new fans. Your success as an artist is our highest priority, end quote. I can attest to this deep dive, the Bureau does, because Jenny did our photography and design work for our most recent album, Fade to Gold. We had several Skype sessions, She listened to the full album many times, she read the lyrics, and we spent a lot of time sending back and forth images and ideas. Jenny worked closely with the folks who manufactured both our CDs and our vinyl record. She scoped out an incredible location for our photo shoot and organized a photographer in Nashville to take photos of the vintage Ford van that is at the center of our album packaging. Jenny thought long and hard about how to help us represent ourselves and our music as American rock music and help us leave behind our pink and black colored punk rock branding of the past. Jenny's work 
helped us to see ourselves and our music the way we wanted to. Jenny and I met up to chat at her studio in the Dorchester Arts Project space. Dorchester, Mass is a town just south of Boston. It was a warm day and you can hear faint sounds of the cars in the street, sometimes with their music spilling out from open windows. Jenny and I make reference to some specific things that might not be familiar to our listeners, so I'm going to go through a few of them before we jump into the interview. Pretty quickly, Jenny mentions the Rumble, which is more specifically the Rock and Roll Rumble, which is an annual event that takes place in Boston. Part Battle of the Bands, part music festival, the Rumble is a three-week event that introduces new bands to music lovers from all over New England. Jenny also talks about the 3% Conference, which has the following mission statement on their website. Quote, Only 3% of creative directors are women, and even less are people of color. So we've made it our mission to bring that number up to 50%. The truth is, the more varied the people who come up with the ideas, the better the ideas will be. And since women and people of color make up a large majority of consumer spending and social sharing, it only makes sense that they would also be a larger part of the creative process. The drumbeat we march to is diversity equals creativity equals profitability, end quote. Finally, both Jenny and I talk about EPKs, which are electronic press kits, which are basically a single web page where someone can go and look at, listen to, and read about your band. And so now, without any more hesitation, let's dive right into my conversation with Jenny Bergman, the woman who sits at the helm of the Secret Bureau of Art and Design. You're doing all of your taxes yourself? Yeah. Oh my God. But like I, I have a friend who is a bookkeeper mm. and kind of sets up my QuickBooks for me in a way oh, that's well then, kind yeah. of dumb and I can't no. fuck it up too much. No, that's awesome. <laughs> if you can do that, I mean, yeah. I'm just not so good about reconciling when I should. So like, yeah, no. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm an artist. I'm, 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 I'm not, a, <laughs> not an accountant. I'm an artist. Well, no, I'm not an accountant. That's why I have one. Because I'm like, here's... No, ho- I think this year is the year I hire an accountant. An you know, accountant. we pay $600 for uh, right? business plus personal, and it's worth it every time. You see my new flyers? Yeah. Let me see this. Oh, yes. So they're all different. Look. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I recognize... I actually recognize and, oh, all of you these. Guys. The only person that I don't know, oh, yes. I don't know Dan. I don't know the lady with the heart. It's a really great picture. Dan. I don't know the woman with the glasses over her hair. Oh, that, oh that's Jane Park, poor Eliza. Um, she was in here yesterday. Oh, we cool. did a cool shoot. Um, the lady with the heart? She's holding a heart. She's hol- oh, that's um, Sarah Swati Jones. Tanya. Oh, very cool. And, uh... Yeah, I gotta do yeah, the flyering things, you know, great. like you got, you musicians do. I'm yeah. like, I gotta, I gotta get a street team. I gotta well, this is a... Oh, my God. <laughs> this is actually a great segue. We're already recording, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I so, figured. Yeah. Um, so you're handing me these flyers that have, uh... What are they? They're like nine by four or something yeah they're like um a third of a page a third yeah. of a letter size page oh i was gonna turn this off oh yeah yeah no um i upped my swag game for the rumble this year and then uh, ended up not giving away anything oops <laughs> i forgot well i mean i so i'm just gonna read 
what it says on the front, and we'll jump right in. But uh, so we're talking. Uh, it says the Secret Bureau of Art and Design, obviously, and then it says Creative Direction for Independent Music. Yeah. How long did it take you to come up with that? You decided to make your focus. It, basically, you work with independent musicians. Mm-hmm. Like, can you just tell me like how you decided to do that and? You know, did somebody tell you, you know, those people don't have any money or like, you know? No. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, good. Good, good, good. If, to answer that question, I have to go back to being in my room as a teenager. Sure. And um, I was I was into all kinds of music when I was a teenager and um, definitely wasn't listening to what my peers were listening to. Um, but I was a big fan of U2 at the time. And I just remember the Unforgettable Fire, that album. I had it on cassette, and just I was I just loved looking at the packaging and unfolding the little insert in the cassette and looking at the photographs and looking at the design. And um, similarly, uh, Peter Gabriel, so and yeah. all the work, all the design work that was done for that, and I, those were the things I noticed as a so kid um, and if you'd known me in junior high I was a metalhead and I had Guns N' Roses posters all over my wall but if I were to show you a picture you of that you'd be like oh yeah that kid definitely grew up to be a designer because it was in a perfect all these photos ripped from metal magazines were <laughs> in a perfect grid on my wall yes <laughs> Yes. <laughs> if you'd seen that, you'd be like, yeah, that kid's going to be a designer. So I don't know. I think I was just always surrounded by music. And I always noticed the creative around music. And, of course, I grew up, you know, 80s and 90s, so MTV. And so moving visuals were a big part of consuming music. And I think at the time I thought, well, other cool people do that. <laughs> I... Was just thinking about this. Yeah. Literally, I, I hate to use the word literally. I was just thinking about this about a day ago. About not ever feeling like I was cool enough to do the things that I wanted to do. Yeah, and like, when did you give yourself permission to be that cool and I'll to let, just do it? I'll let you know when I feel <laughs> that way. I was thinking about that today, too. I was like, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to be like, yes, I'm an actual adult. And I'm actually doing shit my way and I'm like I keep waiting for it to click and it hasn't yet no I'm still like I've I hope raised the... five children and it hasn't clicked yet that I'm an adult oh, like... five jeez <laughs> oh, Louise anyway that's another podcast yeah so I was just the kid who always noticed like good design around music around and music. like I just loved it and um but I didn't give myself permission to do it and I had a lifetime of really crappy jobs trying to find myself. Did you then... study design in college? No. It... Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I was I was a photographer when I was a teenager, when, and I spent many, many hours in a dark room actually processing film yeah. and paper. But again, didn't give myself permission to like be a photographer. And I, but I actually got into art school based on a photography portfolio, and then I bounced around art school finding stuff to do, and I did video. Um, which was cool, but when I left school, when I left art school, I was like burned out and I didn't want to do art anymore. Right. So then I had retail jobs and 
got into project management and I was doing, I was wearing corporate blouses and working in cubicles. And then one day I decided to set fire, literally set fire to my blouse. <laughs> Did you burn your <laughs> yeah. shirt? Yeah. Oh, yes. You know, the corporate casual blouse. And that was when I sort of started my real design career. And I was well into my 30s at that point. And did a, I worked for um, for major in-house at an agency for a big company for a number of years. And I learned a lot of how to be a creative and be, um, be a designer yeah. and how to manage clients. And um, what kind of work were you doing? For that oh, it was like, you know, uh, how to make printers look good and how to make hmm. pens look sexy and yeah yes <laughs> glamour shots of office supplies and that's how you're able to make us look so good yeah well I mean I had to on a lot of projects art direct photographers and produce shoots so a lot of what I learned a lot of what I do on shoots and art direction is from that experience so I left that and I was freelancing for a number of years um and then I was design director for the 3% conference. And um, that, was a, that was a five-year career of kind of being at the forefront of making the business case for more women in creative leadership and watching that grow and watching myself grow yeah. as a creative through that process. And then one day I'm sitting in the audience at the conference. It's about to wrap up. And I'm like, what's next? What do I want to work on next? Because there was a very cyclical quality about that work because we had a, we were an annual conference. And gotcha. I was like, well, I'd really like to do, like, music shit. Like, I'd really like to get back into that. And I want to design an album. And all of a sudden, in, like, five minutes, I had the whole concept for my agency. I almost even had the name... And I just remember leaving the conference, like walking around to people going, so I'm going to start an agency and it's going to be for music. Like it just crystallized very suddenly in that moment of like, it was the last keynote of the conference. Cindy Gallup is standing on stage and Cindy Gallup is like, like, I, I mean, I can't even describe her. She's just, she's a powerhouse. And... I'm like, yeah, if she can get up on stage and be a badass and do what she wants to do on her own terms, I can too. So that was like, it all just crystallized in that moment. And I literally bought the, like, set everything up the following week and hung out my shingle. And I, I depended on my personal network to get my first few clients. And I thank God for the uh, rock camp community because that hooked me into a lot of musicians in the city and... I just went from there. It just built from there. So when you say rock camp, you did uh, like a women's, right? It was, or, or were you, are you yeah. talking about girls? In 2015, camp? I did ladies rock camp. Okay. And um, I had a really shitty boyfriend in college who um, told me I couldn't sing and I stopped singing. I sung all throughout my childhood and into my I had a husband who didn't think <laughs> oh, I could <laughs> sing. We've had this conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I didn't sing for 20 years, and then I did Ladies Rock Camp, and I found my voice again, and it was like, I put it up there with giving birth. Like, that's how life-changing it was, and that just gave me permission to do so much. So it was my experience with 3% Conference combined with Rock Camp, combined with sitting in my room as a 15, 16-year-old yeah. looking at Isn't it my favorite albums, you know? Right. Isn't it interesting how... I feel like 
sometimes I have my best ideas, whether they're about songwriting or what I want to do next or whatever they are, when I'm actively engaged in somebody else's art. You know, when I'm reading mm. a really great book mm-hmm. or I'm watching a, a lecture, you know, online or something is happening or I'm listening to a really engaging podcast, um, it will, the gears will start, like, those things are giving me context and other stories to help take all the things rolling around in my head and and sort of place them somewhere scaffolding you know sort of scaffold the scaffolding is uh, these other people's stories and you start to hang your ideas and give them a place and suddenly the picture emerges yep and then you know what to do next it's sort of weird like it's not just sitting at a desk being like i'm gonna think real hard about what i want (laughs) to like you're just Uh like "Mm." Uh it's like being engaged yeah and you know is really and open and listening i think well i think that's why music is such a has been my whole life part of my creative journey i mean the connection is really strong because i think some music gets you to that emotional state yeah and you get into a headspace where stuff starts to churn you know yep and it's just as you were describing and so yeah music is such a critical part so it just makes sense that I would take things that I love and combine it with music and try to make a living doing it. So, so. <laughs> yeah. Can you, so what's amazing to me, and I, you know, and I, I hope you didn't take that comment as, as glib or anything, but, you know, I would say most of the musicians that you probably work with are not um, making a full-time living from playing music. And if they are, it's probably pretty tight. You know, they're not upper middle class, you know, mm-hmm. probably, you know, definitely um, not a lot of extra cash around. So um, I'm wondering, you know, when I when I made that comment about, you know, not having a lot of money, I don't know if you're it, that doesn't seem to be an issue. You must know a lot of folks. And I think this is probably a common thread. A lot of folks who have full time jobs or have part time jobs that support them and they're making music and for the love and passion of it. Mm hmm. And not because a lot of people are going to see it or hear it or they're, you know, but they want to make something beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. And the money piece is not, you know, they're happy to pay you for your incredible skill because uh, you do make incredible work. Um, I, so I'm just wondering, I guess my question, I'm rambling a little bit, but my question is, how have you found the the, the business and like who are your clients and what kind of work are you doing with them? Well, I will say that right now, um, I haven't found the magic formula. Right now, I would call this my transition year because I was supported by part-time work, very well-paid part-time work for the past couple years. And as of January of this year, this was the first time I made that sort of break and just said, no, I'm sustaining myself only on this. And luckily, I have some great clients um, who are paying my rent right now. Um, Not literally, but it's steady enough work. And it's stuff that I'm passionate about and love. Are those music projects? Or those? Yeah, are- they're music organizations that are established. It's not individual artists per se. And there's enough of a need for that. Um, and then with working individually with clients, yes, I do come across, you know, well, I got 300 bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, here's what you can do for 300 bucks. But I also see... I also see a lot of what I do is educating clients and 
let me just put it this way. A lot of what I'm working on right now in this sort of transition year is working on that education piece for clients and saying like, okay, you wouldn't pay a gig, you wouldn't play a gig for free. Uh, you have probably. <laughs> I have and I will again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, if somebody's like, oh, we're going to pay you an exposure, you'd be like, oh, fuck you, no. But like, um, you spend a lot of time practicing, you buy a lot of gear. I have the same thing. Yep. Like, I've got, I have a space that I pay for. I have gear that I buy. It's the same thing. And what I do it has value. And so... There's sort of an education piece there. And also saying, well, hey, yes, you're paying this much for a photo shoot, but that's going to, you paying this much money for a photo shoot actually will pay you, will pay you back like three times as much because you'll be getting more gigs or something. I haven't quite figured out the right language for it yet, but right. so there's an education piece there. And I'm kind of working on that. I'm like writing some pieces. I'm going to start working on a video series where I'm talking about the impact of design on music. And right. so, yes, and I still do gigs for free I because I love people and I love them and I like you guys and I want to like, I know my work is going to reach a lot of people right. and or I'll do it for a hundred bucks because like, oh, I'm just so excited to work for that artist right. or like I'm working on a music showcase right now and there's this one artist who is blowing up and I struggled to find a really good picture of her. So I messaged her and I'm like, all right, you're coming into my studio. We're just going to do a shoot. You don't have to pay me. I just want you to have really good photos. <laughs> yeah. And um, I would say I put a lot of more value on my design work because that's so work intensive. But again, it's like if it's a really exciting project and I love it, I'll work for next to nothing. But sometimes what I do is I put out the estimate, like this is how much the work is worth. But right. if you plug the shit out of me, and if you bring me more clients, I'm going to take all this money off. Yeah. And so therefore it's like, it's worth it to you. And you don't have to do that much extra work on your end. Right. I'm still figuring out how to make it sustainable for me. I know like a lot of musicians, like this is the question that you guys are finding, are struggling with, but like, I'm probably going to take another kind of corporate job on the side just for a little bit, just to get me through the end of the year. But then like I might focus a little bit more of my own personal marketing towards labels and reaching right. other artists beyond Boston. Cause I'm not going to get to the next level if I stay only in the city and only work for artists in this city. So now I've got to figure out how to strategize around getting national. You do the same thing. You have done the same thing. <laughs> Well, it, like you're not yes, going to get far if you only play uh, in one city. Yes, I agree 100% <laughs> with that. Um, but, you know, I think I think what artists often struggle with, and myself included, is you want your the artwork to be top-notch. You want to make beautiful videos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want all the packaging and all the promotion to support the music that you've worked really hard to create and you put your heart and soul. And same thing with going into the studio. Like, you want it to sound good, and if you skimp, it's going to sound like you skimped. And if you skimp on the design, it, it it's going to show. And so it's all about all this investment and money up front yep. that in all likelihood you're not necessarily going to recoup, but you'll yeah. never recoup it. 
really, if you don't put in, if you don't invest all that time and money into making a quality product. So, you know, your sort of three choices are don't invest the money in great design and great artwork and great recording and all that. And, you know, we won't have stuff that you love and are super proud of and you think is a calling card for you. Or invest all that money and potentially you don't recoup it. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe you do, and maybe you recoup more. But it's really, I think it's hard, and I think it's hard for artists to know if they've made the art, if they've made the art that deserves all that um, investment. Yeah. I personally, I can say that I struggle with that. It's interesting. I was talking to a client of mine who I shot last year, and they're an emerging artist, and. They booked me for the first, like, real professional musician photo shoot that they had ever done. Yep. And in, I always have a phone consultation with a client beforehand just to kind of, like, all right, tell me about your work. Like, what do you want to achieve? Where are you at? What are, what are your lyrics? How are they speaking to you? Like, even if they don't have anything recorded, like, tell me about, just so I can kind of hook into, like, what they're about. Not just that, but... It's deeper. Um, And I just remember having the conversation with them (laughs) on the phone of like, I think this is going to change how you see yourself. Just based on that conversation, I was like, I I think this is really going to change you, change you, like this process, this experience. Right. And they called me up again this year. They're about to go in the studio. They're going to do a big campaign for their album. and, And it was true they said to me you know it really meant a lot to me it really made a difference to have that set of really beautiful professional photos it really made a difference for my EPK it really made a difference for my social media it like I had content and it was it was it looked good I felt like a legitimate musician I felt like a legitimate artist and I was like Boom, done. I've done my job. This yeah. is the that's the best compliment I can get. And that's why I love working with emerging artists. And I I like to think it's because I make them feel comfortable, but I also think it's because it's the first time they're seeing themselves in a way like the way they want probably to be seen, but maybe have never seen themselves. Yeah. They're seeing themselves like they've seen other musicians that's like right. they, that they admire. And all of a sudden they, they see themselves that way and they're like, whoa, and it, it's really transformative. And I think it's the same for when I work with an artist and they have their package, their music package in their hands. Right. And it's like real and it's beautiful and it's glossy and it's colorful. And you know, yeah, you can't, I mean, that's why I love doing it. I love seeing it. I love experiencing it. It's you know. pretty, I have to say, it's, it seems really unique that the, the, what you offer is incredible photography and the design to go with it. Yeah, not too many people do that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really pretty. It's really because extra- I'm very restless. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty extraordinary. And it's, you know, to also work with a designer who's familiar with the layouts of CDs and albums and who's willing to talk to the manufacturers at the plants that are making, you know, I'm speaking from experience, like, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like something you would get from somebody who works at a label. You know, you're sort of doing part of the work of a label in, in a lot of ways. Well, that's where I really see myself as bridging that gap because 
when you're with a label, you get that kind of support. Yeah. Um, a major label, let's say. Not so much an indie label, but with a major label, you get that kind of creative support. You get a creative team. You get somebody who's dealing with the manufacturing of your, your physical release, whatever. But, like, if you're an independent artist, you don't necessarily have that support. Right. And so I'm trying to bridge that gap a little bit. And it's like you're hiring me and you get a creative team because it is me essentially but I also bring in other people for projects if I need video I have a bunch of video people I call in for whatever if I need wardrobe for a photo shoot I call that person in and and I may my approach to design may not work for everybody so I'm like you know what I know this incredible illustrator um why don't I reach out to them and I'll commission this from them and then you know so it's like it's more collaborative Right. And that's why I call it the secret bureau, because it's like we have secret agents. I like right. to think of them as like <laughs> they're all <laughs> over the place, and I just sort of pluck them and assign them a mission. And um, Absolutely. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's me, but it's not just me. It's actually a huge community of, of creative people who I leverage. But it has to be the right combination of people. So how do you feel like you're going to branch, since, since it is so much about this community and this community of creatives, that you've built and, and obviously a big part of the Boston music scene, like to, are you going to just cold call independent labels? Uh, What's the, well, I have spent a good amount of this year, like teaching myself um, a little bit more about the industry. And I think if you're smart and you want to grow, whether you're a, mus- a musician or a designer, it's smart to do that. Right. You got to know who's doing it, who who are the decision makers. So, and what I came away with in that experience was going, well, the labels, the indie labels aren't making those decisions for people. Right. The bands are finding the designers and the photographers and all of those people. You might get some like social media support from the labels, but as far as creative decisions, it's still with the band. And so it's good to have the connections at the labels, at the indie right. labels. But how I'm going to get more clients is literally going out and reaching out to bands, which there are so many musicians and artists out there. I'm still trying to figure out how to get there. but There um, are so many. Yeah, <laughs> so many. And I can't go out and meet every one of them. So I'm still teaching myself a lot. Yeah. And this year I've also gotten involved in like curating music showcases and being part of large events. And that's shown me a whole other side of things. So I really, I'm just this year, just it's the transition year. I'm figuring it all out. And by the way, my studio is in a very noisy part of Dorchester. I think it's perfect. (laughs) I think we are, yeah, we're definitely sitting in Jenny's. I think it's fine. It's good. So it's car, it's music spilling out of cars, which is really actually quite a lovely backdrop to my day. That's good. (laughs) But anyway, um, no, I think I'm learning a lot as I go. And I think one thing I'm also working on is I Got, I'm trying to get myself to South by Southwest. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you were doing a proposal. and Yeah, I yeah. did a panel picker pitch, and voting just closed on it, so figure, fingers crossed. I'm. Is it about design and music? Yes, like, okay. yes. It is, it's called Beyond 12 by 12. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about, yeah, there are bands who are definitely going with the traditional physical releases, it's in addition to digital releases and 
following that route of like putting out a huge album, but there are also a lot of artists who are putting out they're they're kind of foregoing the major release and they're doing single by single that's right across streaming platforms and that's a really interesting problem to solve as a designer where my my palette and my canvas has always been a 12 by 12 square right not a uh, <laughs> three by three Instagram, yeah. like <laughs> right. will your Instagram feed make yeah. a picture when you put oh, it all no. together? On Spotify, it's like a hundred by a hundred. So it's like pixels, you know, you're not dealing in inches, it's pixels. And so how do I solve that problem? And how do I have a visual impact on such a small, in such a small square? Yeah. And I've heard, uh, um, <laughs> so I'm partnering with Gail Marowitz, who is a Grammy award-winning designer. She's most known for her work with Amy Mann and Jonathan Colton. And I just like basically emailed her one day. and I'm like, hi, I'm doing this. And she's the only other person I know who is working independently as a designer who specifically works in music. So interesting. And indie music, but she doesn't have like a group. It's just her. She right. was um, a creative director at a major label for a number of years. And I've since found that there is another agency in Austin that does just music design and packaging. Um, but we're a rare group. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so I'm partnering with her to, to, to work on the South by Southwest presentation. And she's been doing this so long that she just refuses to work with artists who just do digital releases. She doesn't have the time. She doesn't have the patience. That is a very, um, really valid position to take you know um but i'm like well no see i see this as a or an opportunity challenge. yeah and a challenge i'm yeah. sure yeah it's an opportunity to really change the art form so what i'm seeing now with artists like the national and they're not indie but they're indie-ish um <laughs> what i see i with, don't know who they're signed to so so i see artists like that really like going beyond just the square going beyond the physical release. What are they doing? Like what? So their most recent album, um, which the name of it escapes me, but it's a really beautiful album. And I'm a fan of the national. They collaborated with a filmmaker to do a short film based on the album. And traditionally a band makes an album, puts it out and a video is made. The visuals support the music but right. it comes after the fact in this case the visuals and the music were made in tandem and so when the album was released the film was released as well so and is it a, is it a film with a storyline or is it just the music sort of are there interstitial it is, scenes it's like a really long music video yeah but it's all connected and it's based on this one character. Did and you? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so it's, and it's just luscious and beautiful and I love it. And I'm like, this is really cool. Can you watch the whole thing on yeah. like YouTube or yeah. Vimeo? Okay. Yeah. And then can you watch individual? Nope. You, oh, it's only the whole thing. One piece. Yeah. Because Janelle Monet did a similar yeah, so thing. Yes. So Janelle Monet and Dirty Computer, right. very similar. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. I was actually just listening to a podcast today about where it is an interview. Uh, it's about songwriters. And uh, these two songwriters who always work together were talking about really thinking about how to use 
video mm. in ways that they have not. It's, you know, and again, not as the afterthought, but as a for, as a part of the creative process of mm-hmm. making music that it is, you know, part of the songwriting process, mm-hmm. you know, and in the same way, I design, I mean, it all comes into play. Um, and I thought that was really, really interesting, especially so many folks you know just from you talking about you being in your bedroom part of consuming music for you obviously on your walls and opening up the cassette uh, insert consuming music for you was very visual oh yeah right and that idea that you know how we consume music and how we get those feelings those like special feelings you were talking about involves a real visual component whether still pictures or video and that also brings up like maybe an album is like an installation and when you tour you have to tour with this installation that is interactive has video has you know maybe you know an album release tour has to take place in an art gallery or something I mean I don't even know I'm just well you bring up a great point I do good because I was really just stretching there (laughs) well uh the word that comes up is content and I think um and tell me if you think this is true that um any musicians, the pressure to generate content and not just music is really high. And I think that's, you see it on Instagram, Facebook, like you have to connect with your audience on a completely different level. Mm -hmm. And it's content. And what you're describing and what I have described, I mean, Beyonce's Lemonade, that wasn't just an album or even a short film, which is fucking gorgeous, by the way. That was content. That was, and everything that was around it was content. Yes, it was branding, but, you know, it was supported by all the content around it. Right. And, like, you know, I think about that with, I don't know, like, we don't consume music videos the same way as we did when we were kids right. with MTV. It's just, it's so much more intimate. It's in our pockets now. And, and the way we connect with musicians and artists big and small is just so different now. I think, and that's the thing that I think I'm super struggling with. Is like, I love this idea of an art installation. Yeah, I just this had is amazing. It. I just had it. See that? Cause I was listening to you and then so all my instead little. Instead of like touring and like doing all these shows in a traditional venue, yeah. fucking book an art gallery. I feel like, like <laughs> that's what I want to do next. Um, but like connect so you were talking about like connecting with your fans or connecting with your audience one thing that still perplexes me is I if I'm not in a room with a person I don't really know like once I'm in a room with a person and I'm able to have a connection well then I kind of get how social media would maintain that connection but using social media video whatever it is whatever the content is to find new people I've never been Mm -hmm. in the same room with Mm -hmm. that how that happens is a total mystery. And I think that the younger generation of I, artists, I get it. they get it in a way that we don't. And I don't think I will and get we it. We sound like geezers when we say that. No, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really old. And I totally, um, I really feel that, that, you know, and I think it's great because every generation needs their special like space, their mm-hmm. places where adults are not. You know, where the old folks are not, whether in our day, if it was, you know, dingy rock clubs that smelled real bad, you know, that our parents wouldn't go to, like, that was where we were. We were at clubs, you know. There's an opportunity for young people to 
meet and connect online in a way and, and have those same kinds of experiences and affirmations of who they are, who they're becoming, um, that we're just not, we shouldn't really be invited to anyway, really, you know, unless it's dangerous and they need help. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as far as like creativity and music and sharing mm-hmm. art and all the positives, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I've got to be okay with the fact that I'm not, I'm not really invited to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not invited, but like we're still cool enough to hang there. So don't worry about it. Um, yeah. No, I still show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still spend a, probably a little too much time in very stinky music I clubs. spend way too much time <laughs> in smelly places. <laughs> themes running through this conversation with Jenny is about when and how we see ourselves as the creator and the artist we want to be. When and how we give ourselves permission to move towards the self we want to embody. And two things really struck me. One, how important imagery is to that quest and how important other people's stories are to our own sense of self and possibilities a buzz phrase and worthwhile one, I believe, in both education and popular culture at large is representation matters. What you imagine to be possible is based on what you can already see or hear or sense in some way. And seeing an image, hearing a song, or encountering an experience wherein you can imagine yourself is incredibly powerful for our own creativity and imaginative power. When I opened up the 10 or so cassettes I owned as a 10 to 13 year old, I could not imagine being as seductive or beautiful as Madonna or as sleek and rich boy cool as Duran Duran. But I thought I'd make a pretty good Boy George or Cyndi Lauper. And when I finally bought Combat Rock on cassette, I thought I'd make a dang good Joe Strummer. But nothing makes me feel more full of confidence and possibilities as when I hand someone a copy of Fade to Gold at the merch table after a show, knowing how good the album sounds and how great the packaging looks. I can hand them something that feels like the me I want to be in the world. I was going to ask you that, actually. Are you finding... Well, you have kids, too, so that's yep. a whole different thing. Yep. But throughout your young adult life and, and now into whatever you want to call where you are now... Uh, I don't know where I am. Yeah, it's okay. You don't need to know. <laughs> Uh, do you find that you have time and inclination to go see live music still? Or no, I really like being in my pajamas and I really like hanging with my kids. They're very cool people. And, um, no, for real. Uh, I I want you to give the honest, the honest, honest answer. No, I save my live music experiences for like really, really like, I know this is going to be an amazing show and it's not like I, I probably won't go to an arena show anymore. Yeah. Uh, cause that I'm, I'm old and I don't like to stand for that long. <laughs> and, um, but like, I know everybody at every club. So I suppose like I could, you know, just go anywhere, I guess. I don't know. But so how are you, how are you finding new artists and music? Oh, well, I still, I do still go out to shows. Um, just not as much as I used to. Um, I just remember we went out to like a, I forget what show it was. It was some artist that my partner really wanted to see. And we went to the Middle East downstairs 
And, like, the opener was, like, really long. And I'm 40 years old. And I'm like, I should have pre-gamed with Advil before I came. <laughs> and I just remember that was, like, oh. when we started to stop. Like, that was when it started. That was when we're like, you want to go to that show? No. No, there's something cool on Netflix. But anyway. And, no, my kids are really cool. And I love being home with them. Um, how do I find new music now? Well, um... I definitely keep my ear to the ground. There's a lot of great playlists on Spotify. I, I'm really hooked into Facebook and Instagram, and a lot of my friends make music. So, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts about music. Um, like I don't know, All Songs Considered is probably my yeah. favorite one. But lately, I'm like the stuff they're playing. I'm like, this is too precious. I can't. It's just too much. <laughs> Um, I love that description, precious. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's like a little too. <laughs> I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna t- relay this story because I think it maybe relates. So it was 2009, and I was supposed to do this tour, and it was I'd never been on tour before. You just did air quotes. I did air quotes for tour, tour because <laughs> it wasn't really a tour. So I was married at the time that we were planning this tour where my band was going to play with two other bands. And I couldn't get my husband to tour with me. We were in a band together. And because he had already been signed to a major label and like toured and it was like, it's not that great. And I was like, but it's something I really want to do. So we compromised and we were going to go to a bunch of towns in the state of Maine that have international names, like Paris and Mexico oh. and Sweden, and right? And we were going to just... You are not the only ones who've done that. Yeah. We're going to like <laughs> renegade, set up, and do this. Uh-huh. So that was the plan. And then I decided before it was going to happen that uh, I needed to get a divorce from my husband. <laughs> one of the other bands, one of the players had an appendicitis. And so we were just left with... It was just me and this one woman who was going to play. She was in a duo, but she and her um, bandmate split up. So it was just going to be her solo and me solo. And I didn't know her very well. Hmm. And we decided to go ahead and do this thing anyway. And that was Lady Lamb, the beekeeper. Shut the fuck up. No, I won't. So <laughs> Allie and I met in a parking oh, that's lot. that's right. She's from Maine. She's I from totally Maine. forgot. Yeah. So we met in a parking lot <laughs> in like Scarborough or something. I can't even remember. And she had uh, this old Toyota that was like the bottom was rusted out. <laughs> And we she, we really didn't know each other very well. We put all of her equipment in my uh, Toyota Camry. And, uh, yeah, we did this thing. But I forgot my tra- – I lost my train of thought why I'm telling this story about – we're talking about new music, playlists. Smelly venues. Smelly venues. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, it was um, all songs considered. All and songs preciousness. Considered. Oh, yeah, preciousness. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so here we are. It's like day three. I don't know where we are. We're driving somewhere, and this is ten years ago. This is ten years okay. ago, and she tells me that she wants to play one of her favorite bands, her favorite new bands, and I was like, great! I can't wait. And she played me Arcade Fire, and I was like. Which album? This was a I Neon have Bible? no idea. Okay. I think neon it was Bible before. Neon Bible fucking amazing. But. but I was like, why are you playing me Bruce Springsteen? 
And I was like, this isn't rock music. I was like, what is it's not this? not rock music, it's Canadian. <laughs> I, I, I do love Canada very much. Thank you for your maple syrup and healthcare. But I just, I was so shocked that a young person, younger than me, wasn't listening to aggressive, loud music. Like, it blew my mind. I was like, you're not angry? You're not, you don't, you want to hear something pretty? That sounds like an old man singing? Like, did, yeah. this is your dad? This is like yeah. dad music. And I was like, but I'm the dad. And I just want to hear people screaming. And I just couldn't, it sort of blew my mind. So that preciousness and that whole then after that, like Mumford and Sons and all this stuff. And now uh, there's yeah. all these real quiet, like it just got quieter and quieter and I don't know. Yeah, I could tell you the whole so what my theory is on like how that came about, but because we had the recession, yes, and, and all of a like this explosion of technology of new technology, like computers in our pockets, like you know, smartphones came out in two thousand seven. Right and before that, we were still all heads in our phones, like, and it was after the tech bubble had burst, right? So that was like early aughts, yeah, and I think like. People were losing their jobs left and right. And so they started like working for themselves, making soap and carving wood and shit like that. Like they got back to this sort of anti-technology sort of thing. And then all of a sudden like. Banjo explosion. Banjo explosion. You know, recording analog. friends. (laughs) Yes. No, I love that too. I love it. I love that shit too. I mean, I grew up. I could do without Mumford and Sons, but. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, no, I think, like, all that came out of that res- a response to, like, all of a sudden everybody's, their side hustle is now making them money, and that's how Etsy came about, and, like, all that. So, like, right. that, like, rustic shit came about because of that. That's just my theory. But, anyway. So, I we like digress. that. We digress. Yeah, we're <laughs> digressing. Do you feel like music can still, for you personally, give you that magic feeling that it did when you were young? Or do you think there's something when you're like 12, 13, 14, 15, and you hear music and it just like transports you and imbues you with possible identities and possible worlds Mm. that gives you a kind of magic that when you're older you can never, or does it still give you magic feelings? Do you still get that ting? Do you still get tingles sometimes? Well, I don't believe, you know how they say like the you don't you stop listening to music like new you stop finding new music like when you're like in your 20s or whatever yeah like it, it like i don't i think that's bullshit because i'm still finding new music and i still love it and i will tell you right now that i am so into hip-hop and i, I am so energized by the hip-hop artists in this city right now and going to their shows is still magical for me and i've just uh so um do you know Umpa? Uh, I just yeah. listened to we just listened to her album the other day. <laughs> Fucking yeah, amazing. it's incredible. So Umpa, I remember seeing her at a little show um, like two years ago, and to, and then seeing her at shows since then, and since then we've gotten to know each other really well, and um, and so just watching her evolve into the yeah. performer shades. And I remember listening to her first album and going. This is great. This is amazing. I want to hear what she's going to do. I want to hear her next album. 
Right. And then, boom, her next album was there. And I'm like, yes, there it is. There it is. She's like, she completely matured as a performer, as a writer. Um, and so her release show at the Sinclair a couple weeks back fucking just raised the bar in the city. And this city is not friendly to hip-hop artists. Right. At traditional venues. It's changing, thank God. But... Going to see that show and being in the audience and uh, like I didn't have my, my partner couldn't come that night and I didn't have any kids to run after. And so I'm just standing f- right in the middle of the audience looking up at her going, what am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> just my mouth like wide open, like my hand over my mouth going, I can't believe I'm here witnessing this. So, yeah, music still does that to me. Going to see live music still does that to me. Um, and is it the same as when I was a teenager or, you know, even just 10 years ago? No, no, I think because, and I think that's like a professional like pitfall of like, I have to listen to music in a really critical way and a, right. In a really, in a, at a level that I don't think a lot of people do. Like I'm studying it. Right. I'm, I'm listening to the layers and I'm listening to the words and I'm like, cause I'm trying to solve it. Right. You know, but, um, so I don't listen to it with the amount of like openness and freedom that I used to have where it kind of really took me to like really lovely emotional places. But there's a few artists that still do that. I think Radiohead still does that for me. Cause oh, very the cool. music lands, the landscape land. Blah. Let me try that again. All good. The landscapes that they create sonically, like, really do have that way of yeah lifting my brain. Um, and there's one other artist recently where I was listening to it. I was like, it was really like an anomaly for me, not something I listened to. But I was like, I just started listening to it because I was like, oh, I'm just going to check out this band. And then, like, two hours later, I'm still listening to it. And I'm like, how can, did that happen? Can you share? <laughs> it was like a doom metal band or something. Oh, wow. I can't remember what it was, but like they have like 30 minute songs and it's ridiculous. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. This is not what I usually listen to, but it just was something about it was doing it for me in that moment where like it took me out of my world for a minute and I could just like literally two hours later going, I'm still listening to this. I didn't turn it off. Like That's amazing. What we can do is if you think of it, you can tell me later and we'll we'll tack it it onto the description. It was a metal band that some friends of mine were playing on the same bill with. And they're they're national touring band. Yep. And like metal, like that doom metal scene is not my thing at all. But like, I was like, just curious enough to check it out. And it really like, I got swept up in it. Now I wish I could remember what it was. But we'll we'll um, get to it later. It's all good. (laughs) Are you gonna do you think you'll be able to work with Oompa? On some design um, stuff, have you talked well, about Well, here's it? the thing about Oompa and a lot of artists in this city, which I think is a really good thing. I've approached Oompa to do work, to collaborate on stuff before, but I don't push it. Right. And that's the way I'm with most people. Um, I, I make myself available, but what's beautiful about Oompa and the artists that she collaborates with... Um, a group of artists called Hipstery or Hipstory. Not sure exactly how to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. They've created this like beautiful cohort of artists of color, queer artists of color, and um, and they 
they just like keep this like creative energy swirling and it's artists and photographers and musicians and and I'm like yes we need this energy and I'm never going to be a part of that but I am really excited to watch this happen and right. grow and I will do whatever I can to support that but I'm not the kind of person that's like no I want to work with you come and work with me gotcha. you know yeah, and I'm yeah, like yeah. if that you want to come to the studio great you know I'm not going to push it um because I think because hip hop and artists of color were pushed to the margins for so long in this city because Boston is a rock city, you know, and I used to yep. say that to people all the time. This is a rock city, but I can't really say that anymore. And that they had to create their own spaces and right. had to create, you know, their, you know, the structures. Yeah, yeah, they had to create their own infrastructure. And the fact that it's growing and surviving and thriving and at last year's BMAs, you know, the representation on that stage was amazing. And the, the the people who are winning awards, like Cliff Notes, like, and Oompa, and like all those artists. Just for the record, BMAs are the Boston Music Yeah, Awards. sorry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's all good. So the fact that, like, that landscape was changing and and this is growing and thriving and being, like, accepted is so ma- amazing, and I'm like, I'll do anything you want. I, I will support that. Like, great. But I don't I don't need to be the pushy white person going, no, yeah. no, no, you're doing it wrong. Yep. You yeah, have to do it my us, way. None <laughs> of us need to be that person, for sure, for sure. So, like, I'm, uh, I'm of the mind that, like, I'm here to raise the game. I want to see the quality of design work improve. I want to see the, the quality of music improve. I want to see venues improve i want to see visual branding for musicians improve i just and i i want to get people paid and that's my thing i i want to get paid i want to support myself and my family but i want to get other people paid right sort of increase the professionalism yeah of everyone in this game even if we're not you know making a sustainable living if we're making the art we may as well up our game and if you raise your game and you, my thinking is if I raise my game and I raise the level of professionalism and I raise the value of that work and I get people paid, then maybe like the music gets better and maybe, you know, those bands get better gigs and maybe their pockets get a little fuller and like, it all just helps itself. Like yeah. if you raise the level from the bottom, it all everybody gets an opportunity. Yeah. You know, like I think like we're kind of in Boston in particular, and I know it's not just here, it's happening a lot of places, but like I will tell indie musicians there's been there is no better time to do what you're doing and to reach a lot of people with very few resources. Right. There's so many tools out there social media that you can record an entire album in your bedroom and it sounds professional if you do it right right and you know the mechanisms are in place for you to be successful if we're all kind of striving to improve the work and improve the level of professionalism and improve the quality like that improves credibility like good design good branding enhances your credibility as an artist you will be seen differently and if we can all be doing that and working on that 
And it's like, it's just going to make it and all it, better. It also takes a certain headache away. I, I can say this certainly as, as an artist, having a really sharp looking EPK mm-hmm. with really good images. I'm not worried when I send it out. I'm like, this is who we are. This is a very good representation of mm-hmm. the, you know, what you're going to get if you book this band. Mm-hmm. And it feels really, really good. There's no hesitation. There's no uh, qualifiers. Well, you know, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. my mom took this on her iPhone, but like, we're really good. <laughs> we rock. Yeah. Um, I get really pissed off when I see a really bad band photo um, or I get really pissed off. And this is something that Gail and I have talked about. Um, I, I noticed this trend of like undesign and it makes sense to me. It makes sense oh, in a weird like that doesn't make using, sense. Like pixelated like tacos and cats and laser beam like rainbows and putting them on top of like an iPhone picture. Oh, of no, them. that's actually too much so, effort. You're, oh, what you're describing. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's fancy shit. No, um, it's like this undesign. It's like, I'm just going to put a piece of black, uh, you know, a black squiggly line on a, on white and use aerial italic. Like, cause I don't want to look like as an artist that I care too much. <laughs> like, I don't want anybody to take this too seriously. And I'm like, that just pisses me off. It's like, you have an opportunity, you have a canvas here, you have an opportunity to make something really beautiful and satisfying and you're blowing it. But it's like, there's this trend towards undesign or unmusic or unphotography or it's like, and it makes sense to me because millennials have been served such slick shit their whole life. Sure. That of course they want to take it apart. Yeah. And they want to remix it and they want to take something down to its barest bones right you know so it makes sense to me but it also drives me nuts yeah but it's also not pleasing (laughs) for you (laughs) no i'm like if i'm looking at two albums in front of me i'm at the record store and i am a vinyl collector i'm gonna buy the beautiful packaging like same that tells me you care that tells me you're credible and also if other people have invested money there's it's like that weird thing right like if a lot of people have invested their talents and money into a project. It's probably worth my time. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird thing. Yeah. And it's and you mentioned EPKs. And one of my struggles has been I approach people like, oh, I love your music. I'd love to work with you. And they're like, great. Well, we're, we're, not, gonna, we're not touring or anything. And we're not releasing an album. So, like, when we're releasing an album, we'll reach out to you for a photo shoot. And I'm like, yeah, no. Like, <laughs> you know, you're not just taking band photos for your EPK. It's like you should constantly be thinking about content. You should constantly be thinking about visuals. Yeah. And, and it's not just doing a photo shoot when you have something to promote. It's doing a photo shoot because you want to connect with your fans because you have a story to tell about your music. And that story should be told constantly. Yep. And that's when I was taught, what I was asking you about, about like content and the pressure to create content as an independent musician. You know, it's not just around one release. It's like... All the time. All the time. <laughs> so that's one of my education pieces is like, hey, you need good visuals all the time. All the time. I agree. Yeah. Well, with that, <laughs> we've been chatting for an hour. So... Has it been an hour? hour? We could probably chat forever, but I have to go to a gig and you probably have to go hang out with your amazing kids. Yeah. In your pajamas. Well, yeah, and there's some rose waiting for me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks so much, Jenny. Of course. 
Jenny bookended our conversation talking about this pressure that artists feel to create an ever-flowing stream of quality content for consumption online. But she also mentioned, even if briefly, the point of all of this creation. And that is to connect with people and to tell your story. So I think as artists, we need to slow down a little and remember that what we do is tell stories and connect with people. And anything that doesn't help us to do that, then we don't have to feel the pressure to make something. And we shouldn't feel pressure. Ultimately, the goal is to feel energized by the possibilities, by the various media that we get to play in. Now that being said, Jenny also laid out a pretty serious call to action for artists. And that is to up our game, to elevate what we do. In thinking about Jenny's call to action, I was reminded of a lyric that Brittany Howard has in the track 13th Century Metal, which is from her new album, Jamie, which, by the way, is absolutely incredible. She says in that song, quote, I am given opportunities to become that which I admire most of others. I am nonviolent. I am a master student, and my spirit will never be stomped out. We've got to strive to become, always to be becoming, to be a master student, to work towards elevating our game. And I was thinking about Brittany Howard putting this lyric in her song, and I thought, this woman is by far one of the most incredible songwriters and singers of our modern time. And here she is proclaiming the importance of recognizing the opportunity to become something that you admire in others, that representation that we were talking about earlier, and that she's a master student. We are always studying and learning and trying to elevate our game. And when we do that, when we elevate our game, we elevate others along the way. So I was very inspired by Jenny's remarks about being a creative and about what musicians can do in order to elevate what, we, what it is that we do. All right. As an important note, there is no song to share here at the end of our podcast as Jenny is not the creator of music. And so um, I cannot get her permission to, uh, to share her music, but I do want to encourage you to look up two things when you're done listening to this podcast. One is the, uh, we finally, I spoke to Jenny recently and she figured out what the doom metal band was that she was listening to and they're called Actor Slash Observer, so Actor Observer. And of course, I would definitely encourage everyone to find your favorite platform for listening to music and check out Oompa, who is the, um, the hip-hop artist from Boston that Jenny spent some time talking about during our conversation. Also, in a, as we wrap up, just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Um, and even more importantly, tell a friend about our podcast here on the Spirit of Rock Network. And as far as my band goes, some things you can do to help support me is to head on over to Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, or Patreon, and look up When Particles Collide. Spotify, as you know, is a place to listen to streaming music. 
Instagram and Facebook. Of course, there are social media platforms where you can check out what we're doing and what we're up to. And Patreon is a platform, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, that allows folks to directly support artists that they think are doing cool things like this podcast. So you can head on over to patreon.com and look for When Particles Collide. And remember, your new favorite band or artist is somewhere in a town you've probably never been to making songs that have nothing to do with fulfilling a record contract. So let's spread the word. Let's help each other all be a little more unstoppable. Come on.